Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to the Science of Getting Rich podcast. I'm your host, Gerald Peters. Always remember, folks, whatever you think about comes about and whatever you focus on grows. Coming to the end of a new year. The funny thing about New Year's and end of years is it's completely made up construct, right? But it helps. It's much like making a list. Some people don't like lists, but generally making a list will help you perform better, right? Um, Maybe it's like tracking your workouts. Like if you're really trying to maximize your most, like if you're like if you were a competitive bodybuilder, you're going to keep notes, right? Why? Because you're trying to get an edge. And if you're a writer, you're going to have a notebook where you write ideas down. Um, I would encourage you to take that same level of seriousness and approach to your finances. It can suck. I know it's hard to get too enthused when you're broke. I understand that. I do. I, I deeply understand that. You know, when I started this journey of trying to, let's just call it financial independence, I was 29 years old. I don't know how old you are. And I've been obsessed with this stuff that you hear me talk about now, this book, The Science of Getting Rich, stocks, investing, compound interest, these kind of things. I've been obsessed with this and money and hustling and side businesses since the age of 29. Prior to that, you know, I did things, into, but I wasn't like I am now where it's a focus thing. Like there's a notebook out, I'm keeping notes, you know? Um, and I spent the first couple of years just eliminating debt. And that sucks. It sucks to be learning about stocks or reading about real estate and all these things you could do and thinking about like you watch Shark Tank. Maybe you want to start a business. Like having my own business was always a dream of mine. And I didn't give a shit what it was. Could it be a snow cone stand? If I could get rich selling snow cones, I will sell you a snow cone, right? In other words, it didn't have to be some, I didn't have any, I didn't have any one particular thing that was a burning passion for me. And that was what I was going to use to try to get rich. I'm open to anything. Um, I was just into the general concept. And so this is, it's a, this has probably been somewhat of a hindrance to me, to be honest, because uh, my dad used to say that I was kind of like a renaissance man. And I'm like, what does that mean? He goes, you know about everything, but you're you know, a master of none. <laughs> Meaning, I pretty much know a little bit about anything that you might want to talk about. You know, you want to talk about restaurants in Paris? I actually know a little bit about that. You want to talk about wines? I know a little bit about wines or the wines grown in, you know, in, in Texas versus the wines grown in California. And it's like, why would you know this? I don't know. Just through my studies and this idea of the money flow and paying attention to the world around me as it revolves, I've just, I know about all kinds of weird businesses, businesses that make pipes, you know, businesses that make the, the, the concrete parts you see to highways. Like, I don't have any reason to know that other than I was researching how to invest in infrastructure a couple different ways. You know, like how do we, you ever, you know, those little tow roads where they stop you on the highway and you pay, you can invest in those. Water companies, trash companies, waste management, one of the largest publicly traded trash removal. Business. You think we're going to have trash in the future? course. So just through life living, I just learn about all kinds of different businesses. And 
And so I don't have a, any great passion for anyone. I would do anything. Like, what could we do? I just liked the idea of owning my own business. And money, money management, personal money management, meaning managing your own money, managing your own portfolio is like a little business. It's like it's kind of very important business, one of the most ultimate businesses you can have. And yet a lot of people outsource this or pay it little attention. And so that became a passion of mine was just like, hey, alert, alert. Like, hey, look over here. You have all this time and effort and resources. You have this wealth that you've built up. You've set aside for your family. You should make money on it. Like if it's $5,000, you should have $5,000 invested to the, like wisely, like wisely. You know, it's a good feeling when you have the job, like you're making money, you have your primary source of income. Maybe you got something you're dabbling with on the side. You begin that journey, you begin thinking, right? You begin attacking the debt. Took me two and a half years. Maybe it takes you a year. Maybe you don't have any debt. I met a kid the other day, no debt, 19 year old, $78,000 in the bank, wanting to know what to do. Holy shit. <laughs> Think about that. 19 years old, zero debt, supportive family, 70 something, well, 70, I think he said 79, let's say $70,000 in the bank. What do you do with that money? He doesn't know what to do with that money. He's 19. Jesus, how would he know? He obviously knows enough to keep it. He's got it, right? Some of us didn't even know that. A lot of people, a lot of grown people, a lot of 40-year-old people would take that money and immediately blow it. So what do we do with that money? How do we maximize that money? How do we take that money and make more money? But here's the thing. In order to do that, you got a couple options. You can outsource that. The easiest way to do that would just be send it to a mutual fund and you wouldn't be messing up. Like that's not dumb. Now, you might hear me tell you that's dumb, but on, on the cosmic scale, you know, again, understand, I, I consider myself a professional money manager. I'm not. I'm not licensed. I don't have a certificate. I didn't go to fucking college. I don't have any, any sort of anything that says, yeah, this guy's a money manager other than I actually manage my money. Like, I actually do it. If you follow me on Instagram, you see me posting dividends. Like, I made that money. So today, I posted $570 in dividends. $570 in dividends to me. So if you made $10 an hour, how many hours of work is that? 57 hours. I didn't take a phone call. No one asked my opinion. I didn't go into the office. I did nothing to receive that $570. Nothing. I had no part to play in production that generated those dividends that ultimately that was distributed to shareholders. I did nothing and I was paid $570. Now you say, well, you did something to get the shares, exactly. And so that's what I put my focus on. See, the accumulation of shares starts with what? One share. So how many shares do you have? And why not? If I told you, hey, if you buy this, we're gonna let you hold it. Here you go. Hold it in your hand. Here it is. Open your hand and I'm going to put this in your hand and it's a ball. And every month this ball manifests a hundred dollar bill. Every day you pick up the ball. And if you do it every day, the end of the month, 
There's a $100 bill. Would you pick up the ball every morning? Of course you would. Of course you would. That is more effort than I did to get the $570. I did nothing. Why? The ownership of money and property comes as a result of doing things in a certain way. And if you do things in a certain way, whether on purpose or accidental, you will get rich. That is a direct quote out of the book of Science of Getting Rich. I don't think I messed it up. I don't have the book in front of me. But I am working on memorizing it. Why? Because I like it. I like what it says. I like the feel. I like the, the story. It makes me feel good. One of the chapters is gratitude. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful that I got another year, 2019. I had a pretty, pretty good year. I had a challenging year. I had a tough year. You might hear me say it and make you, you know, everything's fine and dandy. It's not. Sometimes people don't understand. You can be rich and broke at the same time. You say, how's that possible? Meaning you own shares. You own houses. Equity. You might even have a business. They're all producing income and cash flow. But you don't have any money. Meaning all the money's keeping the business going. Paying the, you know. Covering the cost, paying bills, fixing things, buying new computers. The end of the year, December for me, is the most stressful time of the year. And it just so happens to be on Christmas. So if you were running to me today, I have the least money I will have all year this month. I got Christmas for the family. Oh, property taxes, by the way. I owe 15 houses. So it's like 30 grand to the government. I got to have that money. No excuses. Well, of course, I've set aside the money. So I've had to live a life of discipline on paper, written down strategy. And we talked about some people will write down their goals. Some people write down their finances. Well, if you want to be a professional money manager, which I consider myself, I'm trying to make money with money. No matter how little the money is, you can play that game. You got $5,000 right now. It could be properly allocated, making you money. And much like me, when I got up and I had $570 in dividend, maybe yours is $57. But you, same thing though, you still didn't do anything for it. You now have money coming to you every month that you don't do anything for. That's called wealth. People will say to me, I want to be wealthy. I say, well, how much wealth do you have right now? See, in their mind, wealthy is something down the road. It's something I'm going to become. It's someplace I'm going to. I'm not quite there yet, but that's where I'm headed. And what my message is, is you're, 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 you, you, you have wealth right now. Like you have wealth right now. You have money right now. You may not have it allocated in a wealth building strategy. You may not have taken the time to get a fucking notebook and sit down and begin to make a fucking plan and create the buckets and hold yourself accountable to the money you do have. See, most people are living unaccountable. The only way you get to 60 years old and no money is you did not hold yourself accountable. Setting aside, let me say this, let me say this first. Honest to goodness, bad luck. Some people in this life truly get fucked, period. 
you know, we could argue semantics about how they, maybe they attract that to themselves. I don't know that part. I do. There's no, there's people who have unfortunate events and my heart goes out to them. But if we change all of the literature and the motivation and the storytelling and the wealth building principles to accommodate the feelings of the guy that gets an unfair hand, the girl that gets an unfair hand, then those of us who want to excel, who don't have necessarily bad luck, who are given a chance and an opportunity, we want to maximize it. And we can't do that. We can't do that unless we're pushed to do that. Opportunity exists. Opportunity exists differently at different times. There was a time when the interest rate was 14%. I can't even imagine that. You could get 14% return just simply putting your money in the bank. Holy shit. That means on a million dollars, you're getting $140,000 a year for doing nothing. The bank just puts it in your checking account. How do you not get rich in a world like that? And today, but also that man, if you wanted to borrow money, you were paying enormous sums of money. You were paying 15, 18, 20% to borrow money. So you better be damn right. Today, I could borrow money like that. Dude, I could have 30 grand here tomorrow. Can you do that? Legitimately, honestly, could you? Because you go into your bank, sit down, borrow $50,000. Most people, the answer is no. Well, guess what? When you have 15 houses, you're collecting 13,000 in rent. 11 of them are free and clear, they're paid for houses. They're in great condition. They're worth millions of dollars. Do you think they'll give you a $50,000 loan? Yeah, you just walk in and get 50 grand. And guess who would pay it back? My renters, the properties, the houses is a better way of saying it. The assets could pay it back for me. So one of the things that assets gives you is the ability to become flexible with money. You can access money. The problem is people try to live like that <laughs> before they have the assets. And so they have the debts and the bar of the things. See, if I throw 10 grand on a credit card, it's not the end of the world, right? I collect a lot of money passively. So after 18 years of pushing and grinding, saving, investing, you know, investing at minimum of $1,000 a month, I've invested a minimum of $1,000 a month for 18 consecutive years. When I say that, there were months I didn't invest. Sicknesses, I've been sued twice, I've been divorced. I've had my son fall off, break both arms. I've had legal issues. I got crossed with the government at times through sales practices where everybody in my industry did. And I was caught up in that. I had to respond to that. I've had to hire attorneys. I've had two stock market crashes, two. I've had stocks I own go to zero. I had a company I had 12 grand in, was raided by the FBI. Within a month, it was shut down. Medicare fraud by you know a tech, a uh, company that was making pills. That up till then were in good standing, gone. Investment 12 to zero. Corporate scandals and life. It happens to all of us. And inside of all of that, you have to not let it all push in on you to the point where you can't continue to expand and grow. 
And this is where the mind becomes so important and why I talk about this book, The Science of Getting Rich, or whatever book it may be for you. Maybe it's Grant Cardone's 10X is a good one. Maybe it's whatever. Maybe it's whatever book. Whatever book works for you. Keeps your mind. Maybe it's the Bible. Maybe you're religious. Maybe it's your own notebook. But this only comes about if you keep your mind to it day in and day out. So every single day I focus on my money. Where's my debt? I have debt right now. What's the portfolio worth? What's the rent collection? How many stocks do I own? Right? What's their value? What's the dividend collection? What's the return on the portfolio? How much is in cash? How much do we anticipate in making next month? What are our expenses? This whole picture. Oh, and I got to live in there, pay my own cell phone bill. I got to eat, right? I got a, six, a child, right? They have cars and insurance and they need to be clean and people want to go on vacations and going to go visit mom and dad and grandpa and all these things you want to do in life. You know, and I like to go to the gym. I like to read. I like to play guitar. There's things I like. That shit costs money. I like to go to concerts. So all of this has to be taken into account. This is why the bucket, the three buckets inside of you don't have to die broke are so important. Because the key to all of this, it just starts with you and how you manage the assets that you're given. You can only work with who you are, with where you are, with what you have, period. It doesn't matter what I have. It doesn't matter what Grant Cardone has. It doesn't matter what Warren Buffett has. What matters is what you have and where you are. And so you got to see that, accept that, and then begin to do your best to maximize that. And you can do it. It's not easy. It's simple. Like the process to building wealth is simple. It's like a 5,000 year old process. It's super simple, but it's not easy. It's hard. And part of what I try to do is to bring awareness to that. I've put out a series of videos one, I talk about, I like the number four. I talk about the four things that are most likely to steal your wealth. Taxes, debt, inflation, corporate marketing. And some of these we don't have any influence over. Taxes. They don't really care what your opinion is. But we do have the ability to structure things in such a way that maybe we could build wealth tax-free. Such as I have money sheltered in a SEP IRA, SCP, because I'm self-employed. I don't have any employees. So I'm able to put, you know, up to 18, I'm up to, I think it's 25% of your income, not to exceed $50,000 a year. I can put it into there. I get a deduction against my income and the dividends grow tax-free. So that 3,000 a month I collect in dividends, I don't pay any taxes on. And that money's reinvested. Now I could now, technically, you can't get to the money till you're 59 and a half years old, according to current law, at which point you could begin drawing on your retirement funds that have been tax sheltered and it'd be considered regular income. So that $3,000, let's say I did it today. Let's say I was 59 and a half and where I am is where I am. That $3,000 would be income, just like at your job. And I owe taxes on it. I don't have to touch it. At age, uh, I believe it's 72, you have mandatory withdrawals. They may have... Don't quote me on that. That could have changed. But 
I'm a long ways off, so I don't keep up with the day-to-day -day of that. That number will change as Congress votes and hold sessions and new presidents come and go. But they force people because some of you guys become rich bastards and you have 10, 20 million dollars locked away in stocks. Oh, and you'd have a real estate portfolio. Oh, and you have a business and you had a successful career at a job, right? And so you have all this other money. So they're forcing you to tap into it so they can tax it. Otherwise, you'd let this shit grow, pass it on your sins, we let it grow. And they say, you know, you're the damn Ford family. And so the government needs to try to break up wealth as much as it can to redistribute it. So it says. But you can properly shelter things. And so I have a lot of money in a SEP IRA. I also have money in an IRA for myself and an IRA for my spouse. Oh, and I have money in an HSA. Oh, and I have trading accounts. Oh, and in real estate accounts, right? And so these things grow over time. But you only get money in stocks if you open a brokerage account. So if you're listening right now and you don't have a brokerage account, you're never going to have fucking stocks if you don't open one. And so it starts with that simple basic action. Get in a notebook right in the top, my brokerage account. So at the end of every year, here's a little thing I like to run through. So I like to figure out what are all my debts, print them off, be honest, don't hide shit. You got a porno addiction. You've been hiding it. You're putting it on a credit card. Print it off between me and you. No one's watching. Let's, let's get full honestly here. Let's get naked. Let's be on display. Let's put ourselves vulnerable because we're only looking at it ourselves. And get this notebook of you. And maybe hand list them. Go find them on a screen. Everything's digital now. Just write it down on the piece of paper. This is just for you. And if you want to print it off, print it off. Put it in the notebook too. That's what I do. And I go down and print them all off. And I have an honest assessment with myself. I list all my credit cards. And if the balance is zero, just write zero. I have a Discover card. I have a Citibank Visa card. I have an American Express card. And I have another Visa uh, Chase card. Print them all off, write the balance, be honest, don't bullshit. Then I have a checking account. I have a business account. I have a second business savings account. My son has a checking account. My Each of my two businesses have their own accounts. And my real estate account has three different checking accounts. Write them all down. Write them all down. So for me, it's like 13 different accounts. It's crazy, right? Now, I have them written down from last time, so it gets a little easier. So when it sounds like a lot, you probably don't have that. You probably have one checking account. Boom. Well, now I'm telling you, go get a brokerage account. So now you have an actual investment account where you could build wealth and collect dividends, even if there's no money in it. Put $100 in it. First, we're going to get the buckets right. And as we eliminate debt, we're going to begin to put money into the brokerage account so that you can build wealth. So that you can build wealth. You say, well, I want to do real estate. Cool. You can have the brokerage account, put a little bit of money in there, have some money in the market and do real estate. Don't be stupid. Of course you can. You don't have to put it all in there. If you put $50 a week in stocks, it's not going to keep you out of real estate. Okay. If anything, it's going to make you look better. Why? Because as this money grows and you go into the bank and you're trying to get loans and guess what happens when I go into the bank to get a loan on a house and I got $500,000 in some dividend stocks, making $3,000 a month, and I'm not touching it. How do you think they feel about loaning me a little bit of money? You think they think maybe at the worst case, we can get to this guy because he's got half a mil. Tax sheltered growing 10, 15% a year. We're good. We know he's good for it. So it makes the loan getting process easy. But that process took 18 years. 
A little bit of money, 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 reinvest, a little bit of money, a little bit of money, reinvest. My primary mission, business, and goal was to accumulate real estate. I was trying to get to 10 houses. And so I was 29 years old and I spent the first two and a half years eliminating debt. And once the debt was eliminated, I began to focus on real estate. How much did I need down? That's all I need to know. What do I need to get a house? Go to the bank. Bank says you need 700 plus credit score. You need a job, two years of taxes, and you need 20% down. Okay, thank you. Now I know the price I can pay for a house. How how you figure? However much money I got. So if I got $10,000 to put toward real estate, well, that's my 20% down. Do the reverse math. You say, well, real estate in my area costs more. Well, you're going to need to save more. You're going to need to save more. The door to get into this world, this one percenter world, is opened by you. Shit ain't easy. People, well, they're expensive in my area. I know. Because they're fucking valuable. They're valuable. And it's hard to get that, but you notice it's easy to get a boat. You tell me, what's easier to get? A rental property or a new car? Why? Because the new car keeps you in your place. See, we need a whole lot of people in this economy. We need a bunch of serfs. We need a bunch of people just consuming, consuming, consuming so that the rest of us can get rich. I didn't create the economy. I'm just telling you how it works. That's it. It's not pretty. It's pretty in the sense that once you learn its rules, you could begin to use it to your advantage. Like the fact that your neighbors go in debt and spend a bunch of money and do dumb shit is the reason you get dividend payments. You understand that, right? Now, not always. Some people, if you say you own Johnson & Johnson, that's just people buying baby powder, shampoo, and toiletries, right? AT&T's phone service. If you own Southern Electric, I own Southern Electric. Southern Electric pays me about three grand a year. Where does that come from? Everybody paying their electric bill. Right, right. So I have like, I don't know, $40,000 invested in mortgage REITs. What do mortgage REITs do? They loan people money to buy houses, right? Consume, 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 consume. The consumers who gets me rich. Buying patterns, people spending money. Not market cycles. What drives the market cycles are people spending money. People forget this. And they get all panicked about a market. Oh, the market's going to drop. Really? Because you sure keep spending a lot of money. You see anybody not spending money? All I see is people spending all their money. So it drops. Just means you get a deal. Because unless the consumer goes away, the market doesn't go away. Does that make sense? And so if we, we have to... If you're going to do, if you're going to be an investor, if you're going to try to make money with money, you got to go a little bit deeper. You got to go deeper than a meme. You need to go to the root cause of why you, why the money is distributed. Why is wealth transferred from the consumer to the owner? Because that's what you see going on. There's a giant transfer of wealth. And I saw that at age 29. I began to see, wow, the people that own the houses and the businesses, they get all the money. Here's the funny thing. People that own the houses and businesses, they're not necessarily the smartest or the prettiest or the fastest or or even some of them don't even do the work. Warren Buffett doesn't do any work, physical work at Coca-Cola, and they pay him a billion dollars a year. Why? Ownership. He owns like 9% of the company. 
cost of entry to own shares is zero. Nothing. You just have to be smart enough to be stop being stupid and go and read and then open the account. Biggest excuse your friends are going to give you is no one's told them how or showed them. I guess they, they can't think on their own. Or... This is why the people that hold the wealth are small in number. Less than 20% of the country holds any sort of you know wealth worth talking about. And of that 20%, it drops down to about 10% to get up into the you know six figures, million dollar kind of range. There's a lot of people with a million bucks, but compared to the general population, it's like less than 20%, I think, something like that. Now let's say to get into the two or three million, you know, this is the bracket I'm starting to creep up into after 18 years of doing this. You understand the last five years, my wealth has exploded compared to where it was in the beginning. Why? Leverage. I have 15 houses being rented. So I have 15 appreciating this year. Not Remember when I first started, I had one house, and then two, and then three. Well, fast forward now, there's 15 of them. Let's say they're all worth, just keep the math simple, $100,000, and housing prices go up on average 4 to 5%. Then what is that? 10 times 100? 5? 5,000? Times what? 10 times 15? That's 75,000. Oh, just recording. It'll be a second. Probably not. We'll deposit it the day after tomorrow. Sorry, guys, that was my son. I don't do a lot of editing here, so that'll probably stay in there. Um, 15 properties. If they're all worth $100,000. That's $1.5 million, right? And let's say the housing prices go up on average 5% this year. That's 5% of $1.5 million. So what is that number? I, I use my calculator. I said off the top of my head that was a... So you don't even have to know math. Times 0 0.05. Yeah, I was right. $75,000. So think about that. $75,000. My net worth went up $75,000 if I didn't do anything just because I own those houses. Now what if you own 100 houses? Rick Jarman at Real Estate Old School on Instagram, and it's underscore. It's real estate, real underscore estate, underscore old, underscore school. Rick Jarman owns 120-something houses. Do the math on that. Let's do the math on that. Let's say they're just... It's 125 times $100,000. We're just keep, I'm sure they're worth even more than that. That puts his house net worth at 12.5 million. I bet they're more like 20 million. But I'm just keeping the math simple. Times 0 0.05. His net worth goes up $625,000 a year. All he's got to do is stay alive. We haven't added cash flow. We haven't added loan pay down. We haven't added tax depreciation. We haven't added the fact that he owns three other businesses. And so his net worth is increasing by an excess of a million dollars a year. And all he does is get up, work five, six, seven, eight hours a day. Why? Because one day, 40-something years ago, he bought a house. Then he got a notebook and began to track it. And he began to make money with money. And that's how it starts. started for Rick like it started for me. But guess what? I don't have 125 houses. But here's what I do have. 
I have a friend named Rick Jarman, and I met him, met him on Instagram, and it opened my mind and re-energized me to the fact that I could do that. Why can't I do that? Here I am thinking 25, and I bump into a guy who's thinking 200. And guess what? He was a janitor or a handyman, repairman for a college. He didn't go to college. No certificate. Not certified to do anything. He doesn't know how to code or any of these things. He owns assets. The same pattern that I've been doing, he's been doing. Guess what? He's 20 years older than me. Guess where I'm going to be in 20 years? Why? Because I own assets. And all of that started being 29 years old with a negative net worth of $70,000 and spending the first two years eliminating debt to get to a positive net worth to then to roadmap it and decide, okay, I want to buy 10 houses. How much go into the banker and say, hey, what do I need to do? He told me what I need to do. I left. Came home and said, listen, we're going to live on one income and I'm going to work every fucking day, eight days a week and 12 hour days, whatever I got to do to get money. And I'm going to get as much money as I can and I'm going to invest it for the next seven to 10 years. And I'm going to lay this blueprint, this foundation so that I never need a job again ever. And I'll work if I want to work. And I'll work because it's what I want to do. And I will go from being a consumer into the 20%, into the 10%, into the 3%. And if Lord willing, with a little bit of luck, and if I keep pushing, maybe 1%. I don't know. But it's not about being them. You met me, you'd think I'm a lumberjack. It's about freedom and options. Control. And you getting to do what it is you want to do. You want to be a painter? Own a bunch of assets that produce cash flow and you can paint all day long. Paint whatever you want to paint. You like working out? Want to be a personal trainer? It's a lot easier to be a personal trainer if you earn 20 or 30 rental properties. You wanna write books? I write books. I don't even give a shit if people read them. I want them to. And so what, it gets real easy, right? It gets real easy because I don't need it. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Science of Getting Rich podcast. My name is Gerald Peters. Um, if you don't have a copy of my book, you don't have to die broke. I'd be uh, honored to send it to you. Maybe it'll help you get you going on your path and your journey um, with where you are with, with what you have. I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas. As we go into the new year, take what I said to heart. List those debts. List the assets. Look at them. Come, become one with them. Connect your mind to the collective, this universal thing, this idea of the book Science Rich calls the formal substance. In other words, become aware of what you're doing in your situation and become accountable. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. It's a heavy responsibility. You want to take yourself from the consumer, peasant class, working class, work and survive for a living? A lot of those people look like they're middle class. They're not. The moment that job's gone, you're going to see how fast they have problems, right? I'm trying to take you from that class to a different class, right? Class of asset owners, people who receive money, people on the other side of the cash register 
for as far as the total balance. We're always going to be consumers at some point, but we can change the balance of that. God bless.